This is the EPLOG audio experience. Mumbai is known as the city of dreams. Here no work is small or big. Every single person, be it a student or businessman, is always on the go, always busy. The more time you spend in this city, the more the city grows on you. It's not just the culture of Mumbai that influences you, but it's also the open spaces that you go to influences. Be it hanging around in Marine Drive or exploring the gateway of India or just hanging around in the RA colony, you would love to come there a countless times. But as the time is passing, you can see these democratic places reducing day by day. Welcome to Being the Change, a podcast where people passionate about their cause share their experiences and talk about what it takes to be the change. I'm your host Rohan Thakar and to answer some important questions about the ecology and understanding the city better, I have with me Mr. P.K. Das, who is a social activist, a city planner and a firm believer of open spaces. In fact, a lot of places which I have mentioned have been designed and developed by Mr. Das. So let's chat with him and understand more about this city. Welcome to the show, Mr. Das. Thank uh, you. How are you doing today? Good. So, when was the first time did you come to Mumbai? I came in 1972. Wow. That's the year when I came to join, uh, take admission to mm-hmm. Sir JJ College of Architecture mm-hmm. to study uh, architecture. Wow. So, yeah. which is your favorite place in Mumbai? All of it. It's it's a very fascinating city. Mm-hmm. It's been my workshop. It's it's been my laboratory of my work, my experiments, my thoughts. Yeah, so it's hard to distinguish which is my favorite place. Uh, Wonderful. So, a quick fact is that uh, a lot of the favorite places that we visit to has been developed by Mr. Das, <laughs> like uh, the promenade on the Carter Road, the Landsend, uh, the Bandra Reclamation. So there's a lot of places, open spaces, which we all need, which we all feel open is developed by Mr. Das. And uh, I would directly like to come on the topic that what constitutes a successful city? Well, there's not just one thing that makes a good city or a successful city. Um, There are many, many things. And one of the Uh, important aspects of a good city is undoubtedly the quality of its public spaces, Mm -hmm. uh, which include the open spaces of a city. Yes. It's the public spaces that sort of helps nurture and build networks of people. Mm -hmm. And that's most important for its community life, which is what makes a city successful. Mm -hmm. The, The extent and the success of community life is truly a mark of a good city. Yes. And it's in that context that public spaces and open spaces in particular, uh, within the realm of public spaces, becomes important. Now, Mumbai is uh, a city of contradictions of sorts. Uh, (laughs) While it's been a great city, it's been not a very good place to live. Yes. For the fast deteriorating quality of life. Yes. And one of the aspects which has been contributing to this 
deteriorating quality of life is really the low quality of open spaces mm. uh, the quality of public life and public spaces that has been fast shrinking while the city has been expanding and growing rapidly so that's moved me that drew my attention and i've always thought about since the last 35 years of how to work towards expanding public spaces wonderful uh, not just f- physically expanding public spaces but also uh, expand public spaces in its democratic spirit mm. which means expand space for interaction yes for public dialogue for a wider public dialogue for collective engagement i think that's what essentially is uh, the story of public spaces well. and i find this fascinating uh, sort of link between the physical space and the democratic space mm-hmm. that the democratic space being space for uh, wider participation uh, interactions public engagement yes uh, and so and so forth yeah wonderful so uh, you came up with something called as open mumbai so what is it and how are you approaching towards it uh, that's an exhibition that i sort of put up mm-hmm. uh, in the ngma many years back which was really in many ways i wouldn't say culmination but uh, at a point of many many years of my work and experiences with the movement for reclaiming public spaces mm-hmm. uh, and the idea of expanding public spaces so we called it open mumbai because we realized that mumbai was uh, not being open as it's growing yes. as it's expanding the public space was shrinking rapidly as i yes. mentioned yes that people couldn't as freely express themselves that they couldn't participate in in decisions that affect their daily lives yes uh, and as the city was shrinking in its democratic space hmm. we thought it was important uh, to put up this exhibition uh, which would attract people to rethink on this question of the shrinking democratic space in mumbai and how this would in fact gradually over time begin to threaten uh, the very idea of cities yes uh, the very idea of mumbai and so it was an exhibition that put together mm-hmm. many projects many experiences many movements pertaining to uh, reclaiming public spaces yes uh, we went through the juhu beach redevelopment project hmm. we went through and these are mind you these yes. are not my projects these are uh, huge collective endeavors where citizens of each area of each neighborhood yes have actively participated in reclaiming these spaces Wonderful. and in ensuring and and struggling to reclaim their rights over their neighborhoods uh, their rights over space and and participation in decisions so the experiences that we gained through the juhuri development project the bandstand uh, uh, seafront project Ye- yes the carter road seafront project yes. the landsend reclamation and cultural uh, and development of a cultural space there yes the gateway of india redevelopment project the prabhadevi dadar beach nourishment mm. plan and and many such projects to deal with uh, you know open spaces that were otherwise open to abuse yes, were right. leftovers mm. 
open to vandalism yes uh, and virtually been turned as dumping grounds of the city hmm. to which we've turned our backs yes uh became the ground of the struggle for reclaiming right. public spaces became the reason for waging these movements across neighborhoods in mumbai right. uh, for a better quality of life for reclaiming our rights over open spaces and so and so so it, that's a big story it's a story right. that I'm really sure. built upon the experiences and the learnings from these various movements over a span of 25 years wonderful i'm sure so another example is uh, mr afrosha who has been very much actively involved in bringing versova beach back to its glory which was like you said made a dumping ground but constant efforts uh, it made the residents also realize that it's their own place and one should take action towards keeping it clean and uh, restoring it in fact sure i mean afrosha's uh, initiative is yes. commendable undoubtedly and it's necessary that citizens participate in all activity yes uh, but i strongly feel that these are essentially the responsibility of the civic authorities and the right. governments 100% substituting their irresponsibility mm. with our efforts is not an answer in long term yes yeah because the governments would tend to then keep dumping more and more of their responsibility on the to civil, the citizens yes citizens must participate is not the same thing as substituting the responsibilities that governments abdicate yes or substituting the responsibilities that governments carry upon themselves and are responsible for yes so the governments since neoliberal globalization or since 1991 which is the year of liberalization where government of our country pledged its support to neoliberal ideas of development mm-hmm. privatization and corporatization have been abdicating their responsibility yes in undertaking projects of public interest of larger public good yes and these clearly cannot be substituted to citizens interventions so i want to make just that yes i'm sure difference that we must understand yes i was just wondering on my way uh, coming to your office i was just wondering it took two and a half years uh, for um, afros to do what he is doing right now but it took two and a half years for the government also to realize that they need to take some action either <laughs> they realized but i don't think they've taken any action so what what I, is the action they've taken so the point here is that while we must force our governments the public action mm, yes is very very significant in influencing governments in decisions that they take that affect our lives yes that's very very significant and in that sense afroj's interventions are an illustrious example are yes. an important example but it shouldn't end there Absolutely. the point is that we must fight for our rights yes and we must ensure that the governments undertake these responsibilities and Absolutely. not citizens i want to mark that difference yes citizens must participate in decisions hmm. that would undertake those projects yes most certainly but not necessarily physically engage hmm. in implementing those projects right by substituting labor or providing labor for it absolutely so i think there is a subtle difference yes the difference is between rights and philanthropy <laughs> true yeah so another thing which is taking place uh, a lot of people are 
against cutting down thousands of trees in the are colony and people have done a lot of protest on social media on ground uh, media have come together to fight this thing that a metro bhavan a metro car shed is going to be made in are colony and uh, just now you said well, that today is a hmm. sad day yes. uh, for just about a couple of hours ago uh, the honorable high court has dismissed all the petitions yes uh, filed by various organizations uh, for saving are uh, it it has ruled that are is not a forest hmm. if 500000 trees concentrated on a stretch of land with flora fauna yes with wildlife and water bodies do not constitute an idea of a forest then what does yes. is a big question before us so that's that's a sad day today yes uh, but but let's look at this bigger question the larger question really is that how much are we caring about our natural areas mm. and the environment that's the big question are we concerned or we're not concerned mm. are we still going to continue to express to demonstrate our power in overcoming the forces of nature is it under a capacity to do that it's experienced world mm. over we cannot mm. we cannot tame these forces of nature trying to tame it by either constructing sea walls mm. against sea surges or to retain nalas and rivers with concrete walls to check floods mm. are all such measures that are sadistic in character and would never work in fact it's proven that it yes. would increase the vulnerability yes. of floods it would increase the forces that would come back with vengeance like look at this little example in mumbai we mm. throw muck into the sea tons of garbage are pumped into the sea yes. each day in mumbai what happens during the rains what happens everything just throws back <laughs> yes. all of it back onto our shores true right so that's a slap back on our faces it's time that we understand yes that we have to build with nature we have to develop our cities and towns taking into cognizance the forces of nature yes understand the essential character of natural aspects whether they be the mangroves the creeks the salt pan lands the uh, the wetlands the forests yes. you name it hmm. mumbai is rich with the extent of natural assets that any city anywhere nowhere in the world enjoys it's very you much know diverse almost 50% of mumbai's area is covered under natural areas and open spaces if mm. mumbai is 480 square kilometers mind you 240 square kilometers approximately is made up of the natural areas mm. and the open spaces of the city we plan for the 240 square kilometers and fight over increasing far mm. to densify our city and build more but we do not plan for the other 240 square kilometers yes we vandalize them mm. we have vandalized them over the years right i'm sure we built rcc walls on either 
sides of the rivers and creeks and nallas yes we've used the rivers as our dumping grounds people in mumbai didn't know that there are four rivers in mumbai till the 2015 floods <laughs> yes <laughs> so i think now world over there is this growing awareness mm. and consciousness for our environment for our fragile environment for the natural areas and we must provide space for their swell yes. and their expansion as much as we want to expand yes our built environment i think both have to grow and striking a balance is extremely important we have to we have to build with nature 100% earth belongs to us and to the nature as well no but so it's, it's also equal, a myth yes. it's also a bluff hmm. that is being perpetrated that there is no land yes so uh, when it comes for to for all the demands that we have in our city whether it's the shortage of housing hmm. or it's the open spaces shortage that there is no land that's an outright bluff we've carried out an extensive survey in mm-hmm. the open mumbai effort which is published we've done the first mapping of the open spaces of mumbai right. and the natural areas mm-hmm. of the city and we find that the land that we have that is developable that 240 square mm-hmm. kilometers that i referred yes. to yes if is judiciously utilized mm. providing access and equity for all then we have high potential of taking care of all the shortfall that we are quantifying hmm. whether it be in housing or it's in open spaces or amenities for that matter we've done master planning of mahada land and of slum land we find adequate opportunity without unsustainable densification mm-hmm. to build to cover up this shortage in housing that the government is talking about in the affordable category Yes. So all this is viable without landfilling, mm. without cutting down mangroves, without encroaching upon the salt pan land, without killing our rivers and hills and forests and creeks. So what are the shortcomings that are there right now? Well, it's in the same breath. Let me therefore say, with the same argument, let me mm-hmm. say that the metro. bhavan construction yes. or the metro depot construction mm. rather mm. in ra yes. is not a good idea for it is not only infringing into the forest mm. taking away large tracts of forest land covered with trees and natural flora fauna yes. and habitation to many wildlife but it is also more importantly opening up a back door to further construction hmm. over the entire ra forest yes so it is not just about one little corner of ra that is being taken away hmm. for a significant public project that is by way of construction of a metro depot but it's really opening up gradually yes. into this possibility hmm. and that is the danger and that is what we need to understand and that is what we need to fight against or for hmm. that's the point we need to understand right it's not about one building of the metro bhavan that it will not cause damage of course it is a damage hmm. and of course it is a big big step towards a larger damage yes that is the fear and that is the danger and there is an ag- argument where uh, in a place of thousands tens of thousands of trees some 2000 trees are being cut but 
the situation of Mumbai is that even 2000 trees are cut, so it can cause a lot of damage in no, yeah, the coming time. Well, I just, hmm, I just like you said, I just mentioned hmm. that it's not about 2000 trees. It's about the vulnerability of yes. the other 500,000 trees in our area. Yes, that's the danger. Yes, the danger of encroachment and further expansion, further growth, hmm. with an excuse of shortage in housing right. and amenities and bettering of quality of life, etc. In the same breath, let me say that any kind of landfilling too hmm. must now be stopped. The idea of the coastal road that was talked about hmm. 10 years back. I was on a committee of the coastal road, mm-hmm. essentially to be working from within. Turns out to be a bad idea today. Yes. Looking back, yes. I would disassociate mm-hmm. with that project, for it's not about just landfilling a bit. It's about opening up doors yes. to future dangers mm. of further landfilling and right. further encroachment and further environmental destruction. And and destruction, not just of the environment, but ourselves, our True. cities, and our lives. That is the deep connection hmm. that we must understand. Right. It's like अपने पैर पे कुलाड़ी मारना. Well, exactly. Yes. <laughs> now, what is the solution that uh, now that High Court has said that it's not a forest land and they have well, given I, a green well, signal? I'm, but well, I'm sure I was listening to some of the television interviews <laughs> of the petitioners. and they have said that uh, they would move to the supreme court hmm. and i hope better sense prevails and the supreme court sees reason uh, not as an isolated case of hmm. an ra and 2000 trees being cut down yes. uh, for the construction of the metro depot for which there are many alternates alternatives and viable options uh, but they understand that this is a critical moment yes where world over climate action is being taken hmm. by vast numbers of people who are threatened of their very existence and their futures and that demand is not for the future but the action ought to be taken now and i hope this better sense prevails and supreme court sees the significance of the of yes. this case and judges otherwise yes so like you said it's not just one ra colony but in the country how much ever green spaces or the natural habitat is there it needs to be preserved for the sure. present and the future <clears throat> most certainly yes now coming to uh, the people who are coming to mumbai delhi all the big metropolitan places a lot of stress is there on the city so in this case some people get homes who can afford it but others are staying in slums which are not so good to stay it's also very harmful for them to stay in that places so uh, of course you have done a lot for them through a redevelopment habilitation projects so in this case how are things taking place right now well let me first correct you yes uh, there are no more millions of people coming each day to the city yes there's a huge drop in the <coughs> ratio of the percentage of migration to the city and it's steadfastly hmm. uh, declining it's it's dropping hmm. over the years over the past 10 12 years so that must be corrected yes. it's wrong to say that you know people are going on coming to the city how do we plan for them hmm 
to get to your second question let me also say at the same time there is urban stress hmm. roads are indeed congested uh, with huge volumes of traffic there is critical housing uh, situation in which over 6 million people today live in slums in the most miserable of conditions of living but it's not about the reason it's not just for the reason that more people have come to this city hmm. it's because of just one reason that this is happening and that is total failure hmm. in government planning for the city it's the failure in planning that has led to this crisis yes it is not about shortage of land nor resources nor opportunities nor ideas it is simply because governments have abdicated their responsibility hmm. and have stopped planning for our cities they've relied upon what we call is a knee jerk reaction development put onto the shoulders of private developers hmm. private developers will not cater to public demand and larger public good they are businessmen yes they will drop private profits mm. they are least interested in larger social good and interest public interest they will not plan for the city they will develop their individual projects mm. in conflict with one another right. and that's what we see in mumbai today there's an anarchy of growth right mumbai is infested with individualized conflicting projects at cross purposes hmm this is what needs to be understood that allowing individual developers in the free market is detrimental to larger social development interest as a matter of fact it undermines larger social development interest yes it's not just detrimental it actually actively undermines it and it's high time we understand this we must understand that it is only the government is the government and only the government a democratic government mm. with active people's participation yes that can really take the responsibility of developing projects providing social good mm. and planning for the city right planning cannot be undertaken by private agencies who are interested in their business turnovers and profit so we have to critically uh, critically look at the path we've taken of privatization and corporatization the path of the free market leaving it to the market to decide we've seen that since mm. 90s now it's what over uh 30 years 30 years has the private sector done any good to the city has the city gained in amenities in the quality of open spaces in the quality of life for most people in the city in terms of adequate educational and healthcare facility no there's huge deficit in spite of large investments in health sector and educational sectors but those are for exclusive developments mm. so what we're doing is we're leading to exclusive developments building an exclusive city mm. where more and more people fall out yes. and are marginalized so we're building more and more backyards of neglect mm. filth 
discrimination, exclusion and abuse. We have to check this. Mm. We have to socialize our development objectives and processes. Governments would have to get back onto the drawing board to plan for our cities and undertake the single singly undertake the responsibility of social mm. or building projects of social interest of larger public good yes. this is the only way forward for the future of mumbai for future of the country and any city for that mm-hmm. matter there's something called a smart city which has come a lot these days it's like a buzzword well that's again built mm. on the idea of privatization mm. government it it hasn't yes. taken uh, it hasn't taken roots mm. it hasn't even succeeded in any place right and there's no budgets for it mm. either yes. so what the government's done is plugged on to many of the municipal corporation projects in different cities and towns mm. and announced those projects as being smart cities projects yes. it's like a buzzword so just a sort of a clever mm. uh, manipulation uh, of uh, of these works yes but the idea of the smart cities as privatized enclaves of excellence and exclusive uh, lifestyles and ghettoized hmm. or gated communities lifestyles yes or ideas of gated communities etc cannot happen they will not succeed and cannot be allowed to succeed yes they must be halted hmm. if one might see the uh, see power from an aerial eye on one side it's a big uh, pompous of development of buildings of everything it's a pompous and on the other side it's a, a steep hill of slums so like you said the gated communities it divides the people well it's polarizing communities hmm. it's polarizing more and more people on various on different in hmm. so many different complex ways yes whether it is on the basis of gender whether it's on caste religion faith you name it yes really you know which are beginning to threaten our lives are are uh, the social tensions are increasing forever because of these various reasons of polarization and built environment too over the years through the construction of these exclusive gated yes. communities is only contributing to that tension mm. and that must be therefore stopped we must build across boundaries yes we must demolish these boundaries that are built across the landscape of our cities mm-hmm. that has fragmented our cities into conflicting zones yes this must be understood we have to we have to unite we have to unify these fragments if the idea of cities has to prevail as significant democratic spaces mm-hmm. of opportunity of equality and justice you had also started something called nirvana hak can you uh, say more about yeah, it yeah well the same idea that that you know that there is enough land in the city hmm. and that there is enough opportunity to build yes uh, we have been working the nirvana hak suraksha samiti mm-hmm. which is an organization with which i've been uh, associated right from its inception has been working amongst the slum dwellers of mumbai yes uh, for housing rights for civic rights for rights to health care education and so on and so forth for dignity mm-hmm. uh, and for justice uh, for human rights essentially yes but these are all parts of the larger movement for human rights we have not only rehabilitated the largest numbers of 
displaced population in this city. But we've also gone further to do master planning of all slums land in the city mm -hmm. through which we have proven, we have, we have demonstrated that we can, we can build ground seven, 10 storied buildings that are sustainable for those who cannot afford these expensive houses mm -hmm. built by the private sector. Yes. So we've done a thorough study and mapping of the slums of Mumbai. We have also argued that if you look at the government-owned land in the city, mm -hmm. by way of just two areas, that is the slum land and the land owned by Mahada in Mumbai, yes. which is the single largest state-owning agency, mm. single largest uh, single state-owning agency with the largest land holding. Yes. You know, Mahada owns around 2,000 hectares of land. Wow, that's huge. And we have nearly 2,500 hectares of land under slums. Mm. So if you add these two and do a macro planning, you know, master planning of these lands yes. with sustainable development, we find through our own exercises in Nivarahak, in, which is published in a book mm -hmm. called Chasing the Affordable Dream, co-authored by four different authors, Gurbir Singh, Ritu Diwan, uh, uh, Agarwal and, yes. and myself, um, we, we have, you know, we've actually done a physical planning of these lands right. and we find that construction of just G ground and 10 storied, 8 to 10 storied mm. buildings, mm. we can consume an FSI of three and yet provide all the amenities and open spaces that the town planning regulations demand wow. without, without undermining the quality of life. And we don't have to pursue the kind of individualized uh, plot, individualized slum redevelopment mm, mm. projects that SRA has been promoting, where densities go up to 12, 1300 tenements per hectare and where there is no open space right. and no amenities other than, you know, uh, these jostling high-rise buildings yeah. you know, where uh, people are suffering it's both mentally like a wall yeah yeah i mean there are now studies that show that there is rising tb mm. uh, and other diseases in these rehab projects mm. people are hugely suffering and i've coined a word called congestion trauma which is arising from such redevelopment projects it feels very much claustrophobic and, and the poor are pushed into 22 23 mm. storied high-rise unsustainable buildings mm. where the overheads are extremely high. Yes. And the lack of air ventilation is further adding to the slumification of this city. Mm -hmm. So we need to check the slumification of the city. Yes. And Nivarak has been fighting for that so, is to find ways of providing sustainable housing development that is not just separate from the rest of the development of the city, but is integral to the city's development plan. Right. It's inclusive. Yeah. So, uh, would you like to tell how the government is supporting or are they supporting? How is it taking well, you forward? Well, we in Nevada Huck and through the many struggles for uh, reclaiming open spaces movements mm -hmm. uh, at various levels have always made it a point that we have to get the government on to, with us yes. and work collectively for the primary responsibility rests on the government. Yes. And we have to force our governments to take that responsibility. So these movements that I cited examples are only to do that, mm. to ensure, to put public pressures yes. on the government to take that responsibility and that it ought to be participatory in which people must engage actively. Yes.
wonderful so i would like just like to move we are witnessing several lines of mumbai metro coming up uh, all together i think one of the uh, big drawbacks of the current metro plan hmm. is really its future expansion potential hmm. that it does not have future expansion potential any infrastructure project any transportation project for that matter in particular must be expandable yes uh, we have been suggesting to the government for years now that metro in a dense city like mumbai including in its suburbs mm. which are denser and sometimes even more dense than the city area yes. the the south mumbai area must have underground metro for that does not further contribute to the congestion of the city mm. for it would pollute less not just air pollution but also visual clutter yes and noise pollution uh it would be in long run much more economical mm. even though the capital investments are higher in, in the beginning yes uh for that it could be faced for example mm. rather than being ambitious that all are built at the same time yes. uh with future liabilities that are going to be humongous and the current trauma that every traveler is facing right now that's <laughs> temporary that is temporary that, of that course but can be mm. to a point understandable that that's temporary yes. and it would go away but certain aspects would not go away mm. for example we're eating up into the road space yes. which is already very little in the city yes the trunk routes for example mm. metro can't be running in minor roads mm. they will obviously consume uh, space from the major roads yes and that would be that's not a good idea but i think the bigger thing about the metro is its possibility of networking mm. that means there is interconnection possible which is possible in underground seamlessly yes even today cities like paris and london are continuing to expand mm. their metro lines to new areas wonderful yet interconnected with seamless travel i think that's the big thing about infrastructure yes and the other big thing of course is let me tell you the suburbs are no more the suburbs as this mm. used to be suburbs when cities like london or new york were built yes far out low density low population places where metro was elevated mm. even in those cities but mumbai suburbs you know that mumbai suburbs have more construction yes have more people living there to do gives more contributes mm. more to the economy of the city yes so people can't be unequal they have equal rights they must enjoy the same metro that the city has underground mm. and our therefore request to the government suggestions has been that they must be all underground for they are all exposed to the same crisis and critical conditions of living so what challenges are there right now well right them? now it's very difficult mm. because the government has gone ahead and building mm. many of them yes. even though most of the construction that we see are limited to the civil work mm. uh, the major capital investments in the rails are yet to come mm. but probably they have been ordered or invested into in advance so i really don't know we have to probably see now how improvements can happen but that's fate a complete and that's an example of bad planning yes planning is no. not about this mm. corrections and improvements planning is to bring about structural change 
and also foresee those changes uh, like we can talk about delhi how it has so well connected uh, gurgaon and noida well delhi delhi is a fine example mm. of the metro system calcutta for that matter yes. is the first city in india that built a beautiful underground metro in the most dense areas of calcutta yes and uh, yes they are yes so talking about the future yes. means of public transport and that will be wonderful because so much of load on the resources natural resources which are there right now will be diminished or minimum. that yes that is important but we do not understand our governments have failed to understand mm. that there is something called a visual quality of a city yes an environmental quality of a city mm. aesthetics of a city yes lifestyles of a city true and this underground or elevated metro mm. is detrimental to all those aspects that i talked about absolutely that's the sad story mm. about mumbai and its future yes. as a built environment as a city mm. that's going to be more and more congested yes so uh, talking about the expansion of cities we have seen two very big uh, towns in mumbai which were villages like uh, i myself witnessed thane dombivali kalyan these are all are a little distant places but now uh, like you said suburbs a lot of people travel from those places to mumbai for work why is it that the business is not moving there what challenges well, people are- travel from these distant places not out of choice yes it's a forced condition yes they travel to mumbai from these places because there are jobs here yes uh well decentralization of course of jobs is important mm. the development of the hinterlands smaller towns are important yes in that sense it also at this point i'm i'm tempted to say that mumbai cannot keep encroaching to its neighboring towns mm. and turn them into satellites or dormitory towns yes that's the fate of new bombay mm. large parts of new bombay that's the fate going to be for alibag for example yes pen mm. panvel alibag heavyness yes when new bombay got built they got destroyed of their local economies mm. their potential for expansion and growth got consumed by the needs and demands of the mega city mm. of new bombay and bombay Yes so i think what we need to talk about is really look at each place each area with its own inherent mm. strengths and capacities yes and expand them provide local opportunities and expansion of those economies and a network of these economies and places rather than encroachments into those right. of one or over the other mm. and this mumbai's hunger to expand through flyovers and ceilings to the hinterland would only consume the local economies mm. and displace them and destroy them more and more than enhance them and yes. help them grow yes so we have to understand this phenomena so it's very deep and one needs to listen to this couple of times to understand what development is and what the future of <laughs> development is but i want to know from you what development means to you what is the perfect developed city well i think development is essentially not material hmm or material gain yes it's about how much people grow and do well hmm it's human development index as we call it hmm the measure of human development index that is truly the measure of development it's people at its center 
yes. to which I add today environment and ecology. So a sustainable ecology is the cry of the time, hmm. is the demand of the time, is the need of the time. And when I say sustainable econo- ecology of a city, it is both people and nature. Yes. Both constitute ecology. Mm-hmm. And we must understand this for the two are inseparable or rather they're intricately and intrinsically connected. Yes. yes. And and that that relationship cannot be severed. And so we have to aim towards building sustainable ecology of cities. And for that matter, a sustainable ecology for Mumbai. Mm. And we have to build with nature. Yes. And we have to understand that the both would have to carry on together and not separate from one another, mm. not independent of the other. Yes. So do you think cycling to work or cycling to places is possible in Mumbai? Uh, there was a demonstration or an experiment which we can well, say in BKC. Stretch. Well, alternatives are all important. Yes. Do you think it Low is... Low energy mobility, as I mentioned, is extremely important. Hmm. Cycling, walking are very, very important indeed. Yes. Uh, not just for low energy uh, fuel use, but for our own health. Yes. For it exercises our bodies and minds, both walking and cycling. Yes. They're important. But let's not stretch that argument to say that's the only means of transport that not must be pursued. But, uh, we have to mm-hmm. have multimodal transport yes. networks that, you know, support each other yes. uh, and substitute each other wherever required. For example, many of the suburban areas or neighborhoods of Mumbai, I would say, not suburb, but neighborhoods, could become walk-friendly, hmm. could become cycle-friendly. Yes, We don't have to take a scooter or an auto rickshaw or a taxi hmm. or drive our own cars uh, within a couple of kilometers of area yes. that we have to access now and then, whether it's for our shopping needs or to take our children to school or to healthcare facility or whatever it is. Hmm. These could become walk-friendly. Yes, And in that context, we've done a planning for Juhu what's called the Vision Juhu Plan. Wonderful. Where we are demonstrating that an integrated Mm -hmm. and comprehensive area planning could truly become the basis of city planning. Mm. We are arguing that neighborhood-based city planning have to be the way to move forward in envisioning our cities. And in Juhu, what we are doing is now uh, cleaning up the waters of the Nalla, the Irla Nalla, Mm -hmm. Developing walking and cycling paths on both sides of these nallas. We are landscaping that. both the edges. Mm. And then we are trying to connect the nalla and the landscape and the walking and cycling pathways mm. to the hinterlands of the neighborhood. Mm. To try and connect up with the other open spaces, gardens yes. and open air and the public spaces of the neighborhood. Whether it's the Juhu Beach or the creeks or the mangroves or the Uh, theaters or the cinemas or the marketplaces or the railway stations. So the networking networking of these public spaces Mm. with with an idea that I talked about of networking public spaces and expanding public spaces through that becomes one of the key objectives. And so Juhu Vision Plan is an experiment, is a demonstration Mm. where along the Irlanala mostly about 80-90% of the work has been completed. Mm. Uh, funds for which have been contributed 
from the MP-led funds by Javed Akhtar Sahab. Yes. Uh, and the citizens of Juhu have actively worked on this plan and participated in it. So here's an example. We need to re-envision Mumbai through neighborhood-based planning mm. where each neighborhood people participate actively for neighborhood people know best about their area. Yes. And that would be truly a democratic way of developing our city. In future, what do you think? What policies should be should be implemented for a sustainable future? Well, these are the policies that I yes. talked about. Build with nature. Yes. Provide space for expansion. Yes. Of natural areas and swell of rivers and creeks. Yes. And the water bodies. Build through uh, planning. Yes. Bring back planning, participatory planning, where and exploit the inherent potential of the city mm. for expansion rather than encroaching yes. on more land or neighborhood areas or natural areas to build more. Thank you so much, Mr. Das. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for giving your time on the show. Thank you. Pleasure. Wow, that was something very much inspirational. Uh, this is me, Rohan. Thank you for giving your time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. By the way, you can listen to Being the Change on all the podcasting apps, Geo Savan, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so on and so forth. So do subscribe to Being the Change so that you get notified when we drop the next episode do drop in your comments on what do you think about this episode which was your favorite part from this episode and do share this episode with your friends to give them also inspiration about starting this is me rohan signing off i will come soon till then bye